you got your Bible, go ahead and get it out. Let's get to the look of the Word. We're going to let the Word take a look at us. Yeah. Go to Matthew chapter 1 and Joshua chapter 2. Hold your place in Matthew 1 and go to Joshua chapter 2. Uh, I love talking about heroes. When they asked me, would you pray about this? The Lord gave me this message in about 10 seconds. So it takes significantly longer to tell it, though, so don't get too hungry. Um, when we say heroes, the difference between a biblical hero and a, and a worldly hero is a worldly hero is typically someone that we look at and we just kind of admire from a distance. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 tells us that biblical heroes were recorded for our instruction and the, the things that happened to them happened for our example. In other words, it's for us to look at their lives and learn how do we live this life in God out. And so what you're going to see in this hero today it's something you can apply to your life, something that I believe will encourage you. I believe this is the most encouraging hero in the entire scripture. I believe that, in my humble yet accurate opinion. And like, yeah, it's not funny. Like, like Pastor Todd, my hero is a Shiro. And so, give it up for the ladies. Don't worry, men, it, it's, it, it's something you can absolutely relate to. Joshua chapter two is where we're going to start. And the title of this message is The Gospel According to Rahab. So that kind of gives away my shiro. But most of you are aware, Joshua chapter 2 is the new generation about to go into the promised land. Remember the previous generation, 40-something years ago, um, they would not obey, they would not go in, so God let all of them perish. Now only two remain, Joshua and Caleb, and they're going to go in. The first city they're going to conquer is Jericho. I realize that this is a common story, but an uncommon person often missed in these pages. So Joshua chapter two, look at verse one. It says, now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly. Please notice that he, spent, he sent two men. This has nothing to do with the message, but I deeply believe that Joshua sent two men because he saw Moses send 12 men and what, what resulted was something horrific. He realized that the, you know, the amount of indecision is directly related to the size of the committee. So he sent two people in, if you're wondering, is he kidding? Usually, yes, I'm kidding. And he said this, here's what he said. He said, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there, okay? There are three main things I want you to get about Rahab that will encourage you. As she is a hero, these will encourage you. Here's the first thing, what Rahab brought what she brought. You're gonna understand a hero, you wanna know what they brought to the table. What makes them special is often what they overcome. And what Rahab brought to the table was two main things. Here's the first thing Rahab brought to the table. This is gonna encourage you. She brought sin. She brought sin. Not a little bit of sin, she brought a lot of sin. You say, that, that encourages me? Yes, you know why? Because that's exactly what you brought to the table when you started your walk with God too. And if you don't believe it, you're not saved yet, we can fix that. But listen, until you realize that what you brought was dirt and it was dirty dirt, God can't touch it. And by the way, Rahab wasn't just in sin, she was the lowest of the low in a low place. We tend to forget that the word harlot means harlot. You know, most historians believe that, uh, that 
Jericho was going to be judged not just because the, the city was against God, but also because it had such disease that if the inhabitants would have remained, that disease would have, would have eventually, you know, uh, gotten on the children of Israel, made them sick. And so God was saying, Let's, we're going we're to clean this thing out with fire. Listen, if there is a disease in a society, can I just guarantee you that the harlot has it? She was the lowest of the low. She was the dirtiest of the dirty. She brought sin. You, you've got to get that. In fact, she brought so much sin that the name harlot has become synonymous with her name Rahab. You, you don't even see her rarely where she's just called Rahab. You think there was ever a point where she said, hey, can we drop the harlot? See, when you go into the New Testament and you look up her, you look up her name, they still call her Rahab the harlot. Don't you think there came a point where she was like, can we drop that harlot part? It's been like 28 years, you know, I... I'd like you to introduce you to Rahab, the harlot. Yeah, good to meet you guys. Can you stop that? It's going to be awkward in heaven. We're going to meet Rahab. Hey, Rahab, well, row the harlot. Yeah, that's right. And you're Larry the liar. And here's Sam the psychopath. Thank you. Here's my point in saying this, driving this home. She was in sin. And if God can make a hero out of her, he can make a hero out of me. He can make a hero out of you. That is encouraging. Second thing she brought, here's the second thing. Look at verse two. Verse two, and it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the whole country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she laid in order on the roof. And then the men pursued them by the, uh, by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, watch this statement, I know. See that, I know. She says to these men, I know. I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that the terror of you has fallen on us and that the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard, remember that, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth below. Here's the second thing Rahab brought. She brought faith. Okay? She brought faith. She is somehow saying, I heard who God is. I heard what God does. And I believe in him. Faith comes by hearing. She hadn't seen a thing, but she put her faith already. Here's the encouragement. Where there's sin, at least where there's faith, sin can be dealt with. And matter of fact, let me just tell you this. Her faith was the only thing that delivered her. It was not her works. I'll, I'll prove this to you. Look, look with me in Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 30. It's verse 30 and 31 where uh, Jericho and Rahab are both mentioned. And you look over there, it says this. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho uh, fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And by faith, the harlot, the harlot Rahab did not perish with who? With those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Listen, the one thing that qualified Rahab to be a hero is the one thing that qualifies every single one of God's heroes. There's only one thing, it's faith. 
In fact, without faith, what does the scripture say? Hebrews, look at 11.6, it's impossible to please him. She was a hero because she had faith. That's what qualified her. And you say, well, I, I thought she was qualified based upon her works. No, listen, she did the works because of her faith. She didn't have the faith because of her works. If you lack works, it's because you lack faith. Get, hear God and get faith and you'll have the works. Works can't save you, faith does. And works are a natural result. So what do works look like? Well, Jesus answered this himself in John chapter six. And this is what she was doing. The disciples came to Jesus just to get it you know, straight from the horse's mouth. I hope that's okay to say, Lord. John 6, verse 28, his disciples, they said to him, what shall we do, look at this, that we may work the works of God? Say, I want to be a hero, I want to do the works of a hero. Okay, well, here you go. Jesus answered them and said this, this is the work of God, that you believe on him who he has sent. That's the work of God. See, that our, our carnal mind just kind of boggles with that. We go, well, that can't be. God, certainly he demands these behaviors to follow. Yes, but to follow is the key not to proceed. When you have faith, the works result. In fact, the very first superhero in the Bible, Abraham, you look at Genesis 15, 6, it says, and Abraham believed God, and what? It was accounted to him as righteousness. The New Testament repeats that in several areas. Uh, Romans chapter 4, James chapter 2, Galatians chapter 3, all of those record that. Abraham simply believed and God accounted it as righteousness. See, if you've got sin, sin's not going to be what keeps you from God. It's going to be unbelief. It was the only thing that kept Jericho from God. So if you're here this morning and you're going, you know, I'm believing God. I'm believing what I'm hearing. Listen, you're doing the works of God. Keep believing him at his word. That's the first thing Rahab brought, or what, what she brought. Those are the first two things. Here's the second thing about Rahab. You got to get Second thing, what she sought. All these will be oughts, okay? Like, like pastor says, because I'm gifted. <laughs> they all end with ought because I'm gifted. No. What did she seek? What she sought. Look at verse 12. She's speaking still to the spies. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord since I have shown you kindness that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. This is what she sought. She sought one thing, she sought favor. She sought favor that was almost impossible to seek after because listen, there's only two possibilities of reaction when your life intersects the will of God. When you come in contact with the will of Almighty God, there's only two ways to handle it. Number one, you can seek favor. And number two, you can seek fortification. And the rest of the city sought to fortify their position. But the way to deal with God is not that. The way to deal with God is this. I need your favor. I'm asking for your mercy. I'm asking for you to shine something upon me that I do not deserve. She's asking for the impossible. And it was impossible. See, we get to read the end of the chapter, so we go, oh, it's not that big a deal. All she had to do was read, you know, chapter six, and it all turns out good, Rahab. Come on, no, she didn't have this. She's living this real time just like you are in your own life. You've, got to, you've got, always got a question, no matter how long you've been saved, will you seek favor or will you seek to fortify your own position? See, I believe with all my heart that Rahab knew not only what the Lord had, had done for Israel when they came out of Egypt, but also what the Lord had said to Moses about what they were supposed to do to the cities like Jericho. 
Remember, there were explicit, explicit destruct, uh, instructions. Look at this. This is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. I'm going to read this to you. This is verse 1. Here are the instructions that I'm sure she knew of. If she heard everything else, she probably heard this. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hippites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. Look, when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. I think she knew about this. You shall make no covenant with them, nor shall you show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriage with them, nor shall you give your daughter to their son or take their daughter for your son. He repeats it again, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 16. But the cities of these people, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive, but you will utterly destroy them. Here we go, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, Perizzite, Hiphite, Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. She knew about these things, but she sought the favor anyway. She knew what had been said, and she sought the favor anyway. Does this sound like gospel familiar to anybody? It sounds like this. Here's the deal. I'll receive you, and in turn, you favor me and spare me. I'll receive you in, and you, in turn, save me. That sounds like gospel. That is absolutely good news. So she sought favor against impossible circumstances. I want to tell you this. If you don't know the Lord and you're here this morning, let me just tell you what. It's so easy for the enemy to compare what you've done with who God is. It's an accurate comparison. But what he tends to leave out is what Jesus did in the middle to bring the two together. Don't let him rob you of that because your sin is not something that the blood of Christ can't overcome. You just simply have to ask for favor. That's what she sought. And here, third and finally, and this is where, this is where it really matters. This is where she gets hero status. Number three, what she got. What she brought, what she sought, and finally, what she got. Let's see what she got. Here's the first thing. Look at verse 14. It says, so the men answered her, our lives for yours if none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Here's the first thing. She got a promise. She got a promise, in essence, from God because she got it from his representative. She got a promise. God wanted her to have a promise, and it was very important. Why? What's well, the same reason God gives promises today. You need promises really for four main reasons. Number one, you get a, you get a promise from God it is because he's trying to give you the basis for faith. Promises are the basis for faith. If you lack faith, get a promise from God. Number two reason you need a promise is number two reason she needed it. Promises lead us in the right direction. When you get a promise and you go to fulfill it in God and you're holding on to that promise, it will help you walk where you're supposed to go. Think about that. Think of John three sixteen. God loved the world. He gave his son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The promise is everlasting life. Where does it lead you? It leads you to believe in Jesus Christ. See that? Leads us in the right direction. Number three, promises, they demonstrate God's faithfulness. Why? Well, because when God makes a promise, then it comes to pass. What do you say? You did this. You told me in advance you'd do this, and you did this. This is not luck. This is not karma. This is not cosmic fate. This is God. See? And I'll tell you what, God wants to demonstrate it. Here's the, here's the fourth reason God gives a promise is because it encourages us, encourages us during difficult times. That's very important because Rahab was about to have the most difficult time of her entire life. She was gonna face a severe trial that lasted one whole week. 
That's a long week when an enemy is encircling you and they're going to destroy every single thing you have except for the promise. She got a promise. You need a promise from God. There's only one prerequisite, and it's humility. You can ask for that this morning. Say, God, I humbly, I need a promise. I'm going to go through a tough time someday, and I'd love to have a promise of what you want to do with me. That's the first thing she got. Here's the second thing she got, verse 15. It says, then she let them down by a rope through the window. I want you to notice this next statement. For her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. Keep that in mind. And she said to them, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterwards, you may go your way. Then the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother's, or your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household into your own home. So it will be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from the oath which you made us swear. And then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed. And watch, watch, very important. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. This is the second thing Rahab got. She got a pledge. She didn't just get the promise, she got a pledge. She got a true token. She got a physical manifestation of something that was promised. She received a scarlet cord. And I don't know about you, but this sounds like gospel because when I got a promise from God that I would be forgiven, he tied a scarlet cord into my heart that says I belong to him. And when destruction comes for everybody everybody else, what's waiting for me is what the scarlet cord pledges in my life. And it says she tied it into the window. She tied it right there in the window. And I find that amazing. I find that something that God's speaking to us prophetically giving us the gospel even in the Old Testament. Because you think about this. I want to just, just think with me for a moment. God took his pledge and placed it within the very wall that was designed to keep him out. I'll say it again. I want you to think about this. Yeah. I heard the hmm over here. Let me talk over here. <laughs> God took his pledge and placed it within the wall. She lived in the wall. He placed his pledge within the very barrier that was designed to keep him out. That sounds like something that would happen several hundred years later. Because there was a barrier that separated God from man. It was called the grave. So you know what God did? God took his pledge, Jesus, and placed him in the very barrier designed to keep man from God and God from man, and thus destroyed that barrier and and freed all that would be involved in that. That is a beautiful thing. That That is gospel good news. So she got the pledge. And from the pledge... She got the third thing. Look with me over at Joshua chapter six. Just flip over there with me and I'm gonna read a few verses here. These, these are basically the commands that, jo- that uh, Joshua's gonna give about Jericho. Joshua six, one. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. The Lord says, see, I have given the city. Verse three, you'll march around the city all you men of war, and you will go all around the city once. This you will do for six days. Now, skip down to verse five, because they're going to do that for six days. They're going to have trumpets and people shouting. 
It says, it'll come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horns and you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people will shout. Go down to verse six. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let the priests bear seven trumpets, ram's horns, and he gives them the command of what they're gonna do. They're gonna go in and they're gonna circle the city. Go down to verse 15, and this is where it actually happens. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. They'd been doing this a whole week. And on that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Watch, now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. And it shall be that all that are in it will be destroyed. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. This is the third thing she got. She got a pardon. And the pardon was specific. It was, I'm going to spare every single person who's living under the pledge received the promise. See? And here's what you got to get. When you have that promise and you bear that pledge, you know you're going to get a pardon. It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. She was in her house looking out her window for a whole week while they circled it, an army that was going to take the city. She knew what was going to happen. But when you know you've been pardoned, you know how the game ends, and that gives you peace. Yes, that is good news. Don't you wish you knew the end of every cowboy game? Oh, what peace you'd have. Maybe. I'm so ready for football, but the emotions of it, I don't know if I can take it. I'm like, come on, guys. You know, She had none of that drama. Why? Because the pardon was secure. It had already been decreed. She's not going to die. And anybody that's with her, and it takes away the drama of life when you realize my sin has already been taken care of, my past forgiven, my present makes sense, my future is secure. That changes everything. And so there she is. She's got her pardon. But there's one more thing she gets. And if she gets this as a hero, so do you. And so do I. This is the fourth thing that Rahab got, and it's this. She got a posterity. She got a posterity. She got a heritage. She got a lineage of people behind her that would be blessed by her as a spiritual hero. Look at the next verse here. Verse 24, it says, but, but they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab, the harlot, and her father's household and all that she had. Look at this next verse. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Listen to me. She started out outside the camp. When she was initially spared, they put her outside the camp. What you've got to see is when they spared her, the Bible says that to this day, her heritage lives where? Outside the camp? No, in the camp. Why? Because she continued to walk in faith. Faith continued to produce favor, and she ended up taking the next step and the next step and the next step until she was living and had a heritage with the people of God, which was expressly forbidden, but God saw faith. You've got to get this. God didn't bring you where you are to leave you there. He brought you there to take you all the way in. See, we tend to think in tough times, God just ran out of plan. He doesn't, oh, Lord, here I am. 
I'm a gateway, what do I do now? And God's going, um, whoo, hang on a second. I gotta think it through. Honestly, I never really thought you'd make it this far. We, I'm shocked, the angels had a pot, you were a six to one odds against. I, No, he knows what he has. He says, I just what Pastor John said, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, thoughts to give you hope, thoughts to give you future. He's got the next thing. You continue in faith, he'll continue in favor. He brought her all the way, but it doesn't end there. It even gets better because that would have just ended kind of with her household. Look over at Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter one, in case you didn't know, these are the first words of the entire New Testament. Now I'm gonna read some of the begats. Don't check out. <laughs> oh, genealogies, no, we can't handle the truth. I know, genealogy is like numbers. It's like the boneyard of the one-year Bible, man. You get there and you're like, nah, I need grace. <laughs> yeah, you, it's, you've done it. Watch this. Verse one, chapter one of the first book of the New Testament, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That was the lineage Verse two, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah, and his brothers. Remember, Judah was the tribe where the Messiah would come from. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Abinadab, Abinadab begot Nashon, Nashon begot Salmon. Watch very carefully, verse five. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Rahab not only got brought into the land, she got married into the family. Oh, ho, ho, oh, wait. Who, who was Salmon? Who was Salmon? Salmon was the son of the captain of the tribe of Judah when the people came out of Egypt. This is his son. He was the prince in the first attempt to enter the land. He was the captain of the tribe of Judah. She married the guy who would have worn the lion on his breastplate walking into the battle, and he was from Judah. That wasn't just any old tribe, by the way. They were the tribe, see, Judah means praise. They were the tribe that would go before the warriors and lift up praise and lift up shouts and lift up thanksgiving, and that was the way God chose to, to have his people make war. She married the captain of praise. She didn't just marry in the family, she married the captain of praise, why? Because when you've been delivered from total damnation, total destruction, you can't help but being married to praise. Thanksgiving is the least of your worries. You can't stop being thankful. I'll bet you Rahab was the most thankful person in all of Israel. And I bet Salmon, who probably could have chosen from any of the gals, just pro can you imagine how he noticed her? He's like, hey. I'm just saying, Rahab's looking pretty good. Yeah, she has, she's got a checkered past, but man, she's the most grateful person I've ever met. Let me tell you, there's nothing that makes a woman more beautiful than a grateful countenance that's thankful to God. Men, amen. Listen, he looked out there and he said, listen, she thanks more than anybody else I know. You know why? Because he who has been forgiven much loves much. 
She didn't just get in the family of God, she married the worship leader. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm so saved I can hardly stand it when I'm talking about this. This is just something else. Look, watch. One more thing. In her lineage, Salmon, watch this. It says Salmon, verse five, Salmon begot who? Boaz. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. This is beautiful. This is good news. This is gospel. God looked down and redeemed Rahab from her destruction. She was redeemed and gave birth to the kinsman redeemer who would marry Ruth, who would be in the lineage of the redeemer himself. She not only got blessed for herself, but listen, when you follow after this hero, you get all the blessings and your children and your children's children and their children and their third and fourth and fifth generation on and so on. Why? Because God is just not about doing it right now. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He is a tri-generational God. He blesses not just you, but all of those who come in behind you. Look at verse 15. A, a few more begots. Come on, you won't OD. You say, well, we might. Look, Eliud begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Mason, Mason begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who's called the Christ. She got, on, she got in on the very lineage of the Messiah. It's a beautiful thing. By doing what? By believing God. You know, I feel like Rahab is not just a hero of mine. I feel like she's a friend. I really do. I feel like I have a friend waiting in heaven that I'll meet one day. Because I, I don't know about you, but I lived in Canaan. I did. And I was covered with the filth of my own sin. Totally covered. And I was surrounded by people who lived in the same way. And I had surrounded my heart with a fortified wall, built up in rebellion against the God of heaven and earth. And I was, by nature, an enemy of God. But God had mercy on me, and God ran a mercy mission. And it slipped past the walls in my heart, like he's slipping past the walls of some hearts right now. And he spoke to me, and he showed me who he was, and he convinced me who he was, and he offered me a pardon if I would take him at his word and seek his favor solely on the basis of what he told me he was. And I believed him. And when I gave my life to him and put my faith in him, for my eternity. He forgave me my sin and he tied a scarlet cord that still flies from the window of my heart. And this I know, because that cord is there when the day comes when the cities and the nations of this world are judged and all their walls collapse that they built against God, I will be spared. Me, my wife, my household, my kids, my children's children, and my lover, the lover of my soul, he will escort me into his own family, bring me into his kingdom where I will live in praise and worship and gratefulness for eternity. That's gospel and that's good news. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes right there, right where you are. At all three campuses, if you would, just bow your head and close your eyes because I believe there are many, and many in the other services have responded to this, but there are many here, and there are many at NRH and Frisco. And you would say, Pastor Stephen, I've never 
nailed this thing down with God. I don't know for sure that I'm his. I don't know that I have a pardon. I don't know that there's a scarlet cord of forgiveness of the blood of Jesus on my heart. I don't know if I died that I'd go to heaven. But you're here and you're hearing this message and you're believing God. You're having faith right now. And I wanna help you put feet to your faith. I want you to take a step this morning and receiving Jesus into your heart. You're gonna make the same deal that Rahab made. Listen, I'll, I'll let you in my heart. Will you forgive me? His answer is yes. And you might say, well, I don't know how to begin that. I wanna help you. I wanna lead you in a prayer. This is what I did almost 27 years ago. Someone led me in a prayer. And I asked Jesus into my heart and my life changed. I was born again. And so right where you are, if you wanna pray that prayer, I wanna lead all of us with every head bowed, every eye closed. I wanna lead all of us in a prayer. And you may have known the Lord 50 years. I want you to pray this. We're all gonna pray this together. But if that's your heart to say this for the first time, just pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I believe you love me. And I know I'm a sinner. I need to be forgiven. I ask you, God, to forgive me. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I want to be born again. I receive you. In Jesus' name, amen.